What's up, everybody? It's Ben. Normally, here on the podcast uh, feed, we have conversations where it's just Caleb and I sitting down and we're breaking into something that we're trying to study here in Brooklyn and just give little overviews of sections of text and stuff. Uh, this series is a little bit different, and we thought it'd be worth putting here on the feed so that both people here in Brooklyn and maybe those of you who tune in in other places might be benefited from some Bible class discussions that we've had recently regarding politics and how Christians should view politics. I'll go ahead and say at the outset, this isn't um, a study that's designed to tell people how they should vote or even if they should vote or how they should participate politically or if they should participate politically. It's more about the kind of perspective Christians should have about their relationship to government and politics. Uh, These are class discussions conducted over Zoom over a period of weeks here in the late summer, early fall of 2020. Um, Obviously, the audio quality is rough in some spots, so you hope you can forgive that. Um, We just thought some people might find it valuable to listen to what some other people are dealing with and thinking about in Scripture. And if you have any questions or things you want to talk about, as always, reach out to us. Let us know what you think, and we hope that all of us can think of ourselves not so much as Americans or as citizens of any nation of the world, but as citizens of heaven, followers of King Jesus. Thanks for tuning in as always. We hope this is helpful for you. All right. So uh, we've gone through now about six or seven weeks talking about um, how to think about politics as Christians, what the Bible has to say to us about that. And tonight we're going to wrap it up. Tonight is going to be pretty much entirely a uh, discussion session. Near the end, I'm going to have some some suggestions and some things that I think are worth us thinking about as we wrap up this series. I hope it goes without saying, just because we're wrapping up this series doesn't mean we have we need to be done talking about it. Just, we don't need to talk about this forever and ever. So like every series of studies we do at some point, we wrap it up. So anybody that has some things personally, maybe you're like, hey, we didn't quite get to X, Y, Z question that I had, or we didn't, we we talked too much about this, or this was confusing or strange, or what does the Bible say about that or whatever, uh, feel free to reach out and let's continue this kind of dialogue. But tonight's going to be the last of our series of of these discussions. So before we get into it, why don't we bow our heads and then we'll start our discussion for tonight. Father in heaven, thank you for giving us your word that equips us for good works in everything. And we're thankful, especially that you've taught us how to live and how to think and how to relate to our neighbors in the world. Um, We pray, God, that especially in this season here in the United States, where discussions about politics and um, the election and so on and so forth are so prevalent and so charged up, I pray that you'd keep us deeply rooted in the things of your spirit, that we would be guided by your will and your ways and not by the ways of this world. Father, thank you for the beautiful discussions we've had thus far over the past several weeks and how it's helped all of us to see one another more clearly and see your truth more clearly. And I pray that as we discuss your word tonight, that it would help us once again. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So I just want to... do a, a tiny bit of review, but I'm going to ask a question for all of us to discuss here in just a second. I want to go and show you that question as we wrap up tonight and think about being citizens of heaven in America in 2020. I'm going to ask this question here in just a second. This is just going to be a wide open free for all. And what I would love is for everybody us just to kind of go around and I'm not going to pick on anybody, but if you would just be brave enough to kind of put yourself out there and say, 
here's something I got out of something that so-and-so said or such and such scripture meant to me or whatever. So here's the question. What practical lessons have you learned from the scriptures to guide your political life as a follower of Christ? What practical lessons have you learned from the scriptures to guide your political life as a follower of Christ? Think about that. I'm going to open it up here in just a second, but just so you have a second to think about that, I'm going to review. We've done this several times. Just review some of the truths about government and politics that we've learned from the scriptures. Right off the bat, several weeks ago, when we thought about being citizens of heaven in a world of evil, we noted that Indeed, this world is ruled by the evil one. Jesus said that on multiple occasions. The Apostle John says that really bluntly in 1 John 5, 19. We know that the whole world lies under the sway of the evil one. So that's just something for us to embrace and a fact that informs some of our views about government and politics. We also talked in that same discussion uh, several weeks ago about the fact that the gospel of Christ We may think of it as a spiritual message, and it certainly is, but it's also a political message. It's a message that Jesus is the king of heaven and earth, that his kingdom has come, that people need to repent. That's a political message, and in many ways, that's what establishes and guides our political identity. We also have noted that God has commanded his people regarding how to live in relation to world governments. Uh, Romans 13, 1 Peter 2, 1 Timothy 2, Titus 3, any number of passages, even stuff like where Jesus would say, if someone compels you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Or when Jesus said, give to Caesar that which is Caesar's. God's given us a lot of commandments about how to live in relation to world governments. There's some things when it comes to politics that are kind of fuzzy and challenging, but there's a lot of things that are just clear statements that we may have a hard time figuring out exactly how to apply, but at least we can find them and have a starting point. We also talked uh, in our second major uh, sit down about the really challenging truth for us that every human authority exists by God's appointment, whether that means that he directly put them in office or on the throne or that he allowed that to happen. Either way, he claims responsibility for that, that all the rulers who are uh, who exist in heaven or on earth, they exist by his will in some way, shape or form. That doesn't mean they're all approved by him. As a matter of fact, sometimes God used very wicked people. And he utilized their wickedness to accomplish his purposes for some way, shape, or form. But every human authority exists by God's appointment. We talked several weeks ago about Israel uh, and how Israel was a holy nation. And that Israel was kind of a prototype of the church. And they were commanded to abstain from worldly political entanglement, to not associate with the nations, to not get tied up in the nations, to not rely on the nations, not really even support the nations in order that Israel wouldn't remain uh, holy to God. And then you'll remember the the discussion we had about Daniel and his friends in Babylon, which is so cool and and challenging and helpful in a a wide variety of ways. And how Daniel and his friends in Babylon and actually all the exiles that Jeremiah wrote to in Jeremiah 29, they teach us that God's people engage with worldly politics as exiles. Israel teaches us, hey, don't get entangled. But at the same time, we do engage. We do relate to in some way, shape or form uh, the political forces around us. I think it was three weeks ago we talked about Christ's kingdom and the politics of Jesus himself, how he interacted with world leaders. And of course, in that final dramatic scene where he talks to Pilate, he says in John 18, verse 36, my kingdom is not of this world. And that really summarized all of Jesus' political conduct, all of his conduct in relation to the political structure of his day reflected the reality that his kingdom is not of this world. And then a couple of weeks back, actually, we took a couple of sessions talking about Christ's first followers. And, of course, we saw that Christ's first followers did. The early Christians, the early church did occasionally participate in worldly political spheres. It wasn't like they were divorced from that. 
Paul would assert his rights when, when it came to criminal cases. Um, you know, there were people like Erastus who served as the city treasurer. But it was also clear when we looked at that they only did that as a secondary pursuit behind kingdom priorities, especially gospel proclamation. Okay, so these are just some facts. These don't really tell us anything, or these aren't exactly lessons we learned, but these are some facts and some truths that we've learned over the past few weeks about government and politics. So now I come back to the question, and I'm going to open it up for everybody. Uh, what practical lessons have you learned from the scriptures to guide your political life as a follower of Christ? And I want to add just a twist on this before you guys start sharing your thoughts here. A practical lesson could be, I've learned that I need to think about government in X, Y, Z way. Or I've learned that I think I need to blah, blah, blah when it comes to politics. It may also be, uh, I learned this lesson, but I'm not really sure what to do with it. Or I'm not even sure if it's totally a lesson. It's actually just a question that it's raised in my mind. Any of that's fine. But what are some things that have impacted the way you think in a practical real life level about uh, politics and about government as a follower of Christ? For me personally, it's hard to be able to side 100% with either the Democratic or the Republican Party because, I mean, it's just one party uh, holds certain things important, the other party holds other things important, and God holds both contrasting issues as important in his kingdom. It's, it's kind of hard to draw that line. Do you support this party, support that party? And then you have the Independent Party as well, the Green Party. It's like, you know, what do you do? Yeah. It's so thank you for being honest with, hey, I've got a lot of stuff here, but I don't really know what to do with it. By the way, that's okay. We're not we're not here to figure out every single piece of what to do. It. I really appreciate you sharing that. That's super real, and I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, I think a phrase that I think it was Ruth used, you guys probably see this floating around on the internet or hear people say it. When you're really following Jesus, you're going to tend to feel politically homeless sometimes. You may choose to camp out with certain people or certain viewpoints, but we're going to feel politically homeless. Thanks for sharing that, Mark. That's awesome. Uh, who else has some lessons that you've learned, things you're taking away from the discussions we've had, the scriptures we've looked at the past several weeks? Brittany. I think for me, it's just made me rethink a lot about what I get worked up about and what actually needs to be the priority in my life and, and kind of, you know, how willing I am to talk to other people about political things or social things or economic things and how comparatively less I talk about what actually matters. And I think that that has just been something that's been on my mind um, throughout the study. And I'm thinking about, you know, how does that, how do I change that? I love that. That's awesome. Robin. Oh, I'm kind of going along with um, what Mark said. I think that this is just, made me realize like even more that I don't really think that I agree with or like the two-party system <laughs> yeah yeah good other thoughts what are some other lessons or reflections or questions you've, that have raised over the past several weeks for you guys I got it. hey Ben yeah okay um, kind of along the <clears throat> lines what uh, uh, Brittany was saying as far as, uh, you know, getting worked up, um, and sometimes getting worked up, <laughs> the person it really hurts is you, you know, you could say something, you know, maybe that you regret or this, or that, but really, you know, getting worked up is, uh, getting agitated is kind of like, uh, you know, 
uh, painful to the person who's getting agitated. At least that's been some of my experience. And um, what I've learned from the scripture is that since we know, we definitely know, this world is ruled by the evil one. And we know we're political outsiders. Um, we know that any, probably any candidate, right or left, even if there is an independent cat candidate, any candidate is probably never going to be able to be uh, a true believer in all their uh, policies because they're going to need to, uh, you know, they're going to need to get a, get a base of people want to want to vote for them. And so that we don't have to let ourselves get worked up, like Brittany said, uh, that much because we know, you know, we're, we can do our best. And if we vote, we can vote with what we think is uh, our godly intention. But we know that God's in control. Um, we know that God is more powerful than any evil on earth. And he's more powerful than the evil one. So we, we have the right guy we're voting for all the time. I know it sounds a little corny, but um, we, have, we just don't have anything to worry about, even when the worst happens, which is good to know ahead of time because it prepares you just in case it does happen. Great. I love that. Great observations. Other lessons learned, um, you know, just inner reflections you've had, maybe passages that have meant a lot to you or stories that have meant a lot to you as we've read through the past several weeks that, that are helping you think about political things differently. Uh, Robin, did you have something else you want to say? Yeah, I was going to say, um, I think it's made me wonder what, I don't really know how to put it into words, but I've, I think I've just been thinking about like, what issues are like most important and like which issues are most important to me, to people, to other Christians and how that influences I guess like the things that we, not necessarily the things that we value, but I think like the things that we maybe talk about or like hone in on. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> no, that's great. I love that. I love you saying that. That's cool. What else? Some of the rest of y'all haven't jumped in here yet. What are some other lessons that you've gotten out of the discussions the past few weeks? Scriptures that have meant something to you? Uh, stories that have impacted you and the way you think about government and politics and the world and all that stuff. Uh, I really appreciate the text in Jeremiah 29 um, that we looked at. I think that's helpful for me to think about um, seeing myself as a temporary resident, which means that uh, I care about what happens here. And I care about that because of the effect it has on the people around me and, and, uh, the people of God who are here, but also the, my neighbors and people that I love. But there's always like with Jeremiah 29, it's like, hey, this is how to act while you're in exile. The knowledge is that it's not going to stay this way forever. We're intending to go um, to go to a, a better kingdom and back home. And I think that that's really, I think, help, been helpful for me uh, from this class, Ben, the emphasis that you put on uh, just keeping my citizenship in heaven and making sure that I uh, that every part of my political engagement is subject to the uh, the the leadership or the lordship of Christ. Amen. Well said.
Melissa, what do you got? Um, yeah, it's a thought that I don't like to entertain, the idea of dark forces lurking. But um, I do understand the benefit of, of thinking about it and remembering that people are ultimately not the enemy, whether they disagree with us or not. Um, and it's important to note that, you know, we're fighting something bigger, something spiritual. So that's my takeaway from, from the sessions. That's, I mean, you said a lot of good stuff there, but I think if I heard you correctly, I may have missed one of these things, but the big picture thing of, hey, we're doing something bigger than things that are going on here, which just feels like the biggest thing ever, every election cycle and every time anything happens in politics. But also the other point you said that they're not really the enemy. The people who disagree with me, they're not really my enemy. Um, that's important, really important. Cool. This is awesome, guys. Any, any other thoughts? I want us to, to kind of shift gears here in a second to kind of another little discussion point. But uh, I don't want to I don't want to shortchange anybody. If you guys have some more thoughts as far as lessons learned as it relates to your view about politics, your view about government, your view about the election in 2020, whatever. OK, we're going to we're going to do something fun here. We're going to at least we're going to try to break out into uh, small groups to discuss something, because I want us to talk about something a little bit more personal. And this was in your material. And it was a question that, that you were supposed to actually ask somebody about. If you didn't ask someone, that's okay. You can probably imagine. Um, and just kind of chat about it amongst ourselves. How would someone close to you likely answer the following question? Now, maybe you know, because maybe you asked them. All right, here's the question. Imagine you asking some really close friend of yours, someone who follows you on social media, someone who talks to you a lot, someone who's known you for a lot of years. And I asked them, hey, if there was a political issue party or movement that I might elevate above the gospel, what would that probably be? If there was one issue or, or a group or whatever movement, what's the thing that if I were to be tempted to elevate that above the gospel, what do you think it would be? Okay. But if your answer is none, then good for you. Uh, but we probably all might have something that people might say, oh, you probably are kind of a little too worked up about X, Y, Z thing. Okay. All right. Everybody pretty clear on the question? We're only going to go for like uh, three or four minutes, okay? So not a very long discussion here. We're going to do another breakout discussion here in a minute. That's going to go a little bit longer. But I want us to talk about this one because as much as we tell us, we also want to watch out for our potential blind spots. So I think it'd be really great if we talked about this a little bit, okay? I might be popping in, but I'm not popping in to spy on you. I'm just popping in to make sure you're okay and nobody has any questions, okay? So we're just going to go full uh, egalitarian democracy here. There's no group leaders in this. Just jump in and somebody start talking. Here's mine and just go for it. And then just kind of go around the group and then uh, we'll share back uh, as a group together some of the things that got mentioned. You don't have to share yours personally. You can share what somebody else said or whatever. All right, everybody pretty clear? Ish. All right, here we go. Uh, you're getting sent to your room now and uh, you'll talk for three or four minutes about if there's an issue that you might be tempted to elevate above the gospel, what would it be? All right, everybody. I think we're back. So, um, and I'm not, by the way, I don't want you to call out what anybody in particular said, unless you want to call yourself out, that's perfectly fine. But what were some of the things that you guys ended up uh, chatting about in your groups as far as some of the different issues, platforms, parties, movements, whatever, that may be a temptation for us to, um, maybe even for good reason, get really focused on and even elevate above the position of the gospel? What'd you guys talk about? Hey, Ben. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I'll just, you know, out myself because uh, we, we kind of did it in our own. Excellent. That I tend to, I think other people do also, but I tend to elevate my complete, like, just disgust with a lot of the, with most, a lot of things that Trump has said uh, publicly about other people, insulting and all that, um, you know, uh, you know, racist, some would say, I, I would, I would think, um, I, a lot of times just put that like up above anything. Like, look, this guy's got to go. He's just nasty. He's terrible. Um, and I've had some people, you know, talk to me recently about, well, you know, why, why don't you think more about policies instead of, you know, voting for a man. And, uh, you know, so I realize I'm definitely, and I think like you just said, with good reason, like he's this terrible, you know, as I kind of see it, he's this terrible person, um, a terrible character, which, you know, God talks about character a lot throughout the gospel. That's right. uh, yeah. However, we do have to think, uh, and I'm still actually on the fence, you know, about this, uh, but a, a friend I was talking to was, talks about, you know, think about what the policy is behind that. And, uh, and also, so thinking of his character, quote unquote, as being temporary, uh, so as not to just vote for, you know, anything to get Trump out and to okay. think, think about the getting into the realm of kind of making recommendations about actions. But I really I really appreciate what you're sharing there, which is we are so fixated on what disgusts us about um, an individual, whoever they may be, that we can actually let that take priority, even over our attitude, our, our focus, whatever. So that's I mean, I appreciate you. Like you said, thanks for kicking the ball off and uh, getting us going with some, you know, personal stuff here. Uh, good. Yeah. Other things that you guys discussed as far as um, answering this question of, if there was something that you were to elevate above the cause of the gospel, what might you be tempted to lift up to that level? I think it's easy for us. I didn't discuss this in the group, but I just thought about this now, about justifying our own views, regardless of what Sometimes we might lose sight of what the gospel says. Sometimes we have no idea what the gospel says about politics. Sometimes we're unclear about it. Sometimes it might be uh, an idea or the point of us feeling that the political party or the person who's running for office um, is in line with our views. And if that person wins, we feel justified in a sense. It's, oh, yeah, they feel the same way I do. So, but sometimes we're confused about what we feel and sometimes what we feel what we think our interpretation just like with scripture our interpretation could be wrong sometimes mm -hmm. yeah good good because it gets i don't know how anyone else feels but it can become very confusing no doubt. when you have so many viewpoints when you listen to the media when you read online or you read the newspaper or tune into the news media it's like after a while what do you think but if you turn to the gospel if you turn to god's political message the political message of jesus kingdom it should hopefully bring everything into perspective from a godly biblical perspective. No doubt. No doubt. That's awesome. Market share. Other things you guys discussed in your groups, as far as maybe an issue, uh, a party a platform, whatever that could become, could become the priority. I'll, I'll share Ben a little bit. Uh, I brought up something that occurs and especially more recently uh, are subjects of um, human rights or civil, civil rights. So anytime I feel that um, that has happened as a violation or an injustice, I can definitely get worked up about it. Um, I share though, for me personally, it's never to the point that it's that it feels uh, uh, it takes a priority over the gospel. To me, I, I look for where 
where that ties into the gospel and how it relates. But I have many peers and, of course, uh, others that can get very heated and you lose all, all sight of um, the gospel in relation to what's going on in the world. And you can easily get caught up in that. Um, but a little bit of like what Mark was saying, I think to be properly grounded, you have to, it's best is what I like to try to do is if I see what things are going on in the world, I look for how it relates to the gospel. I look in the gospel for the relationship to this and how to, how to deal with it and how it uh, happened. However, it was happened in the past and was explained, explained in the gospel. You can usually find the relationship and how to deal with it. Um, I know most people don't, and it's easy to get upset, uh, especially if you are part of um, a race or a culture that you feel oppressed by something and you see injustices that can make you angry and you can lose sight of what God has to say about it. Um, and even then, if you do find justification, you still wanna do it in a manner that is uh, righteous and in the way the gospel prescribes how you should handle it. And I think that's important as well. No doubt. Well said, brother. I really appreciate that. And I think there's a whole spectrum of issues that we can relate to like that. And you kind of brought out part of the tricky part about this. And I like, so actually, whenever we were um, working on this, this material and kind of kicking around things, Kale and I were looking at it, I'd sent it to a couple other friends just to kind of like say, hey, give me some outside eyes on this. Someone had suggested this question. I was like, man, that is such a good question. Because as, as you just pointed out, Richard, there's a lot of issues that actually are related to the kingdom. They're related to the gospel. And yet the temptation is always that we might actually elevate them above the gospel itself. We make the issue, in other words, the real thing we're fighting for and not the proclamation of Jesus' kingdom, the demonstration of his righteousness in the world, you know, the bringing in more people, all that kind of stuff. So it's a tricky thing when it comes to things that are right or wrong issues, because there are a lot of right or wrong issues that we're talking about when it comes to politics. But then you can take your right or wrong issue and elevate that. And that's, I appreciate you bringing out that tension and kind of giving us some thoughts about how to keep that properly grounded. Uh, and you and Mark really both just hit on that. I think that's huge. Amen, amen. Brittany. Just along the lines of what Richard was saying, um, for me, that's kind of equality or social economic equality. So yeah, same sort of thought though. Yep, amen. You know, the fun thing about this, too, is if we were to just move this Zoom class to some other part of the country, uh, we would have probably a whole different set of responses than probably what a lot of uh, you guys may have said, you know, in your, in your breakout groups or what you may be thinking in your head, but you're, or if you thought about it later, you know, you'd be like, well, this is probably my issue. Depending on where you live and your background and what your experiences have been, there's going to be all sorts of things that, uh, that are going to be part of this. But I really appreciate what everybody was sharing earlier when we were talking about just general lessons. What I hope we take away from these past several weeks is that we've got to make sure that we're filtering out all of our thoughts and all of our conduct about politics through what the gospel teaches, through what we learn in the scriptures. Um, and, um, and by the way, I think that's a constant pursuit of checking and rechecking and rechecking our attitudes, our hearts, and, uh, and our priorities. Okay, so I want, I want us to do the breakout groups again. Um, but I want to show you guys first what the questions are going to be. Okay, so I'm going to give you, uh, each group is going to have a hypothetical scenario. This time I want you to talk for about 10 minutes on this, 10, 12 minutes. So everybody jump in. By the way, I know some of you are ready to talk for the whole 10 minutes. 
calm yourself down, let everybody else have something to say. Some of you are just going to sit there and let everybody else talk, jump in there, have something to say. Okay. So the idea would be everybody has a couple minutes worth of thoughts. I'm going to show you these scenarios and uh, group one, group two, group three, I'm going to pop in to make sure you guys know. Um, I think you should see room one, room two, room three. So that's going to be one, two, three, just goes the same. But I'm going to show you these three scenarios. They're hypothetical, but they're pretty realistic, both for the people in the original context and relevant for us. I'm going to go ahead and spoil it for you. I'm not sure that there is a just dead on correct answer for sure about any of these. Some, I think, I think I know what the answer is. I think, I think I know what I would give. Um, but it's going to be fun for you guys in your groups to kind of try to use biblical principles. Here's what cannot be a reasoning in any of your breakout groups. Well, as Americans, blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, we all, all Americans know the right thing is blah, blah, blah. Or the Bill of Rights, like, no, no, look, you, you only should be using things that we've talked about from scripture that you know from scripture. Okay. All right. So I'm going to show you the scenarios and then you're going to break up and talk about them. And if you guys could appoint a, uh, a spokesperson. So whenever we come back from the breakout rooms, whoever the spokesperson is, they can uh, speak up for everybody else. Okay. All right, here we go. Here's the scenario. Number one, Paul and peaceful protest. The year is AD 66. And as a result of recent ethnic, religious, and economic imperial policies, the children of Jewish Christians have been facing particularly dire working conditions. And yes, the children are working in Rome. The saints in Rome are considering the possibility of organizing a public demonstration that might apply pressure to the authorities in order to reform their policies. They know Paul is coming back to the city in the coming weeks and are hoping that he will help spearhead the effort. And so they ask you, you think Paul will participate? You think Paul will jump in on this? All right, that's the question for uh, the first group to consider. Here's going to be the second one. I'm going to send you guys to your groups in a second. Jesus at the ballot box. Uh, as a result of his dipping popularity and consequent rise in many rebellions, the Roman governor Pilate has decided to poll the citizenry to determine whether he will retain his office or not. Revolutionary thought here by Pilate. His main contender is Caiaphas, the current high priest ruling over the Jewish temple. Galileans and Judeans have gathered in long lines to make their voice known. You overhear someone ahead of you ask their friend a question that you've been wondering as well. I wonder if Jesus of Nazareth will be voting. What standards are he and his followers using to determine how they'll cast their ballots or if they'll vote at all? All right, that's for group two. And group three, John's social media. Ephesus has long been a city filled with state-sponsored modern innovations in religion and culture. Remember the greatest Diana of the Ephesians. And much of it, of course, has been ungodly. The old apostle John, a former resident of Ephesus and had been doing a lot of preaching and teaching in Asia Minor, he's recently joined Papyrogram, the hottest social media platform sweeping Asia Minor. Sorry, I couldn't go anything better than Papyrogram, but there you go. Here's the question. What sorts of online political dialogue should we expect, or I might add, not expect from John, the beloved apostle? Okay, so um, group one, and I'm gonna try to, uh, if, uh, if any of you guys have trouble remembering, basically group one, your question is, would Paul help spearhead a um, public protest, a, a public demonstration? Peaceful, but a, a public demonstration. Um, group two, your question is, Jesus in voting, would he vote? How would he vote? What standards would he use, et cetera? And group three, your question is gonna be uh, the apostle John, What's he doing on social media? If he's doing anything at all, what kind of stuff is he talking about? What's he not talking about? What are kind of his rules and standards for his social media? Okay. Now, remember, we're not talking about 2020. 
We're talking about the first century. We're talking about AD 66. We're talking about AD 33. We're talking about Ephesus and Rome and Galilee. We're not talking about the United States. We're not talking about New York City, okay? What we're trying to do is talk about these issues through the lens of the people that we've been studying in Scripture. You guys may have some disagreement in your group. That's perfectly fine. Disagree respectively. Don't try to fight or argue. By the way, when your spokesperson speaks, spokesperson is not supposed to say, here's the consensus we came up with. If you have three different ideas, share all three ideas. That's okay. We're going to kind of work on this a little bit and kick this around. And here you go. Y'all have fun. All right, guys, we're back. Okay. Uh, so I hope you guys had fun. And if you didn't have fun with these discussion questions, I hope you had fun, whatever else you're talking about. So that's fine too. Uh, we're just going to go in order and whoever it was that was going to be the spokesperson for each group, we'll start with group one, which again, the scenario was children's, uh, workers rights in Rome getting messed up. And the Christians are thinking about organizing a public demonstration to apply pressure on this. And they're wondering if the apostle Paul will participate. So group one, what did you guys, and by the way, anybody else can comment on these. So if you're not in the group, you may actually have something to say, like, oh, what about this? Or what about this scripture? Or what about this idea? Or what about this question or whatever? Jump in with that, okay? But we'll let uh, we'll let group one uh, talk about that first. So I don't know who was you guys' um, representative, but whoever that is, go for it. Let us know what different thoughts you guys had about this. I think we forgot to pick a representative. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Um, I think I can recap. Yeah, go for it. And then other the rest of you guys in the group, jump in if you think it's free out. Go ahead. We did have a good conversation because it started out with a basic idea just about Paul, and then it got nuanced. Um, the first kind of idea was like, hey, yeah, he would, I think in general, he would he would support this. Um, the wanting to uh, say that this was wrong being done to the children. And then it was kind of like, well, quoting someone who quoted the scriptures about the, uh, the, um, uh, the, uh, the Greek uh, women not being tended to in the meals um, or widows, I should say. Um, there is the point about him not wanting to take up so much of his time uh, with heading up, like spearheading the movement, but maybe he would do something else. And then the third point was like, well, he, you know, they do show this is a pretty important issue and he might actually not just give his support behind it, so that he had time to spread the gospel, but he had, might actually speak a little bit more to it, speak to the people involved, especially like say the factory heads were, were Christians, speak to the issues of greed and treatment of, uh, of children and other Christians. So he would spend a little time, uh, but again, probably not spearheading it because he would have to spend more time uh, spreading the gospel. Okay. That... Uh, you're right. That that went in a lot of interesting different yeah, directions. Went, and went, by the way, by the way, this is the point. I, I, we, these were kind of formulated and crafted on purpose, kind of that way. What would they do exactly? Yeah. How would they handle that? You know, to make us think. Okay, like we're not trying to come down with an exact answer. All this is uh, silly, anyways. These are hypotheticals that didn't ever exist, but it's valuable for us to think. So I love was, that. Anybody else from Group One want to add on to what Brian just shared? Or, or Brian, I may be cutting you off. You may have something else you want to say. Um, I was going to say shortly, it was a good example of iron sharpening iron because every other person added to it. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Anybody else from group one? And by the way, anybody from the other groups maybe wants to comment on this question of would Paul participate? Would he jump in on a, a public demonstration like that? Um, me. Yeah, go <laughs> I, I do think there is a difference between how Paul deals with saints among the church and rather than political and people outside of the church. There are certain things that he would be direct and 
um, and encourage and push back. Um, but when it comes to political issues, how saints treat each other is very different from what I think you would say um, when it comes to outsiders. Um, there was, I think, I don't remember it was the last week when we were talking about um, when he was in Ephesus. Yeah. Um, or no, I think it was Philip, Philip, Philippi when he was at, when he came out of prison. Yep. So he he spoke on the behalf of like other people. So um, rather than himself, so I'm not sure whether he would be open and protest. Um, I think he would advocate for Christians in a sense, but not necessarily the same way he would kind of advocate or push back or protest things that was happening amongst the saints. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. I mean, you bring out a good point, and I'll just add another layer to that. We see Paul, whenever it was his personal opportunity to advocate, he did that. Acts 16 in Philippi. And yet in Acts 19, it was pretty clear that there wasn't a lot of public advocacy for, um, you know, for, for large sweeping changes. Paul wasn't involved in that, and the Christians weren't either. So that's something we got to deal with. There was kind of this personal level thing versus public level thing that seemed to be there was kind of a difference in approach. That That's besides the other things that were shared. Jessica, jump in here. Hey, Ben. Okay. Uh, Nelson, let's let Jessica go. She jumped off on mute. So uh, let's let Jessica go. And then Nelson, you're right behind her. I'm sorry. So, um, yeah, I was just going to tag on to kind of build more on what Brian was saying, what we were discussing towards the end on the third point. So um, just the discussion about how Paul talked about slavery and dealt with slavery since that was a huge social issue of the day as well with um, Onesimus and, you know, receiving him back, the, the, the runaway slave as a, as a brother more than a slave, um, and how he addressed the Christian directly um, regarding that issue. He didn't, you know, he didn't go and say, hey, while you're at it, let's start a protest bring up this issue of like the social injustice he more he more so um targeted towards the christians to say hey like let's be the change let's show other people how we as christians should treat other people um he went about it that way not necessarily doing it as a social movement and that way when people look at the church they notice what we're doing and it creates a change in that sense and that's a great connection back to, I think Brian was sharing the Act 6 example, taking care of the widows would be another example of that as well. I know it's a little off the point of what Brian was saying exactly, but another good example. That's awesome, Jessica. I love that. Great, great connection there with Philemon. Nelson, what you got, brother? I think um, I actually didn't have uh, anything to say about that because I was trying to balance the difference between, um, you know, different character. Uh, in the Bible and different role they received from God. If that question was made um, related to Daniel, that would be an easy thing to say, right? What would be response? But we're talking about Paul, right? This is an apostle who was called to God to deal with the Gentiles and salvation. It's kind of like difficult to describe, to describe how, how you would respond to a situation like that. But then if you bring that question to a regular Christian, Right, like the other disciples who were uh, together on that time, right? You never know what would they respond, which I will compare myself to that situation. Okay, what am I able to do in a way to please God on that situation, right? So you look on your possibility and your condition, like the ability that you have. I, I mean, um, how can I say that? Like 
the okay. doors that are open for you to be able to do something on that, right? I think uh, that's pretty much to do with that. And uh, it, it takes a lot of wisdom and understanding uh, when it comes to that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I mean, here, I think I, I think I could say that well, one Christian could only say, yeah, you obviously go to a public demonstration for something that's a matter of righteousness and justice. God cares about this stuff, and he does. And if I love my neighbor, and this is an opportunity I have to advocate for my neighbors, then obviously I do that. That's that's what I think some people, maybe even someone here, you may just not want to say it, and that's okay. If you don't, no problem. I'll say it for you. That's the argument, right? Part of the argument, at least. But then someone else may say, yeah, but then I look at all this stuff where it seems like most of the work of Christians was on a smaller scale. It was more individual oriented. There's all these instructions about living a quiet life. It doesn't really match up with me of going to a public demonstration. So to your point, Nelson, it's easy. It's kind of easy. It's not really, but it's kind of easy with Paul. "Eh, He probably wouldn't because he had other stuff to do. But what about other Christians? What about the Ephesian Christians? What about people in Rome? What would they have done? Look, these are good questions. Um, and obviously, I think I think from previous discussion, including this, you guys know what I think about this stuff. But each one of us is going to stand before the Lord and answer for how we approach these things, you know. And that's more what it is. And I love what you said, Nelson. The real question maybe is not so much what's the exact perfect right answer about whether or not to go to a march or a rally or a demonstration or whatever. Maybe that's not really the question. But the real question is, what's my reasoning for it? Am I doing it because I'm an American? I'm a you know, or is it I think this would please God? I think this would honor God to the best of my ability, best of my knowledge. So I love that. Let's uh, let's cap that one off. Let's move on to the voting question. Uh, I don't remember who is in group two. Whoever it was, jump in here. Jesus and voting. Is he voting? How's he approaching voting? What's the deal with Jesus uh, going to vote or not going to vote or maybe going to vote or encouraging other people to go to vote or whatever? Uh, group two. Um, so these are just some of the things that we thought about. Yeah, shared in the group. So um, the idea um, or the like the saying like Jesus um, telling people to give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Um, Also thinking about is the governor demanding that the people vote or is the governor requesting it? And that might determine Jesus's response. Um, Also the thought of like a house divided against itself cannot stand came up and then maybe um he wouldn't vote because he is not a roman citizen but um overall like jesus and his followers are not going to do anything that will violate the word of god they will make judgments about whether to vote or how to vote based upon what they judge will be most pleasing to god Cool. Sounds like you group one and group two are kind of on the same page with your with your punchline. Uh, Robin or somebody else in group two may want to jump in on this. But if I'm understanding you right, part of the question you guys were dealing with was, was this like an optional suggestion? In other words, maybe Jesus would or wouldn't depend. Or was it like, hey, everybody's expected to. And based on the which way that was might determine part of whether or not he would have participated. Am I understanding you right on that? Yes. Yeah, that's a cool angle. I love that. I think it's a great way to, to bring that up. Yeah. Cool. Good. Anybody else from group two or anybody else want to comment on this, whether or not you think Jesus would have voted, what standards he would have used to go into the ballot box, all that kind of stuff. Anything else you guys want to say about this? This is a, that, that, that's a really cool response. Those are some nuances I hadn't thought about. 
I think on our group, Brian, Brian's making funny stuff. <laughs> I think in our group, uh, I think what's the what's the name? Jessica. Mm-hmm. Jessica yeah. pointing out really important uh, things. Uh, I think I, I, I don't know what she say, but I think she say something like, "Jesus to that situation, right? He will put up. Uh, he always gave a change for the people, or put up a statement or a question." for the people to think about, like to help you to make your own judgment, right? Um, and uh, it, it's like, if you ask Jesus, okay, would you vote whatever, anything like that, you would put your question that you might be thinking like, okay, uh, okay, this is me, I have to balance how this is gonna play out. Uh, but I, I don't really know what to say with that, but uh, what I see in the scripture about Jesus, he will give you something for you to make a judgment by, by yourself. Uh, which scriptures is that? Oh, the Caesar, whatever. Give to Caesar what is Caesar to give to God was God's. Um, you know, kind of things like that. You will come up with something that would challenge you to make your own judgment as a Christian. Good. So in other words, if Jesus went to vote or if he talked to people about voting, he would use it as an opportunity to frame up people's minds about their relationship with God. So if you participated in that way, it would be something to draw you closer to God, not just uh, the act in itself. That's good. All right, cool. Any other thoughts on Jesus and voting um, that you guys want to bring out? Uh, he can't vote because he already knows what the outcome is going to be. That is cheating. That is cheating. Oh, that is he fixed the game. He fixed the game. <laughs> Brittany, what do you got? I think it's interesting that people have brought up several times, like, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And I guess my perspective on that is that Jesus would see it the same as paying taxes, where your obligation to the government that is governing you, it's this, it's a duty, just like paying taxes is a duty. And so Jesus would say, go vote. But that may be an extreme position. I'm not sure if anybody else thinks that, but... No, I think that's fine. So actually, it's funny. Um, so I, I think I've told you guys, I've read several books as we've been having the study just to have more more people in the conversation. I read one book where basically the person's argument was government is worldly and evil. Christians should participate in it the least amount possible. Don't vote. Don't politically participate at all. Pay your taxes. Be a decent citizen. Don't cause any trouble. But that's it, you know, because it's evil. I read a couple of other books where they were like, if you don't vote, you're going to hell. Because you don't you don't love the Lord. By the way, I'm not saying that's what you're saying, Brittany. But um, I mean, if you want to jump back in and say that's what you're saying, that's perfectly fine. But I don't think that's what you're necessarily uh, insinuating at all. But here's my point: is there's some different takes on this, and some of this is is um, is challenging to process through. And that's the point of this exercise. What what should we do? And I love Brittany's point that one way to look at this is to see, hey, if you're in this society, you have certain duties, and one of those duties is to vote. The Roman governor pilots asked you to do it. You should do it. All right, cool. Um, let's move on to the third one. Uh, by the way, I hope some of you are probably getting frustrated because we're not coming out with dead set answers. So I apologize. But that's just the way this is. And that's the way a lot of stuff is in life. When you're following Jesus, we got to deal with that. But let's go ahead to the third one. The Apostle John. Everybody's all abuzz about politics on Papyrogram. John just joined. He got like 600 and you know something followers right off the bat, uh, which was a lot in those days. So what are we what are we working with as far as John's social media presence? Group three, what do you guys got? <laughs> All right, I will just take the lead. I don't know if I'm gonna stay followed. Everybody had some really good things to say. 
I'll just jump in on mine and I'm, I'm gonna encourage Ruth and Brittany and uh, Luke and Antonio um, to jump in. If I hope I didn't miss anybody. But um, my thought was that John is gonna use um, whatever opportunity there is in a platform to reach the people. I think though that, and what I think a lot of others were saying, but I'm gonna let them jump in is, he's gonna stay gospel focused and then relate however, whatever the issues there are of the day, I think he would use uh, the word, the gospel, spread that and what God would have to say about it, what Jesus would have to say about it. And he's not gonna get caught up in, in people, you know, slander or other things. And I think, but he would, my thought is he would absolutely use that. But uh, Brittany had some great stuff, Ruth too, and, and the others. So please jump in guys. Sweet, ladies, what y'all got on this? That's awesome, Richard, good, good. I love that intro. I actually would love for Brittany to share her piece because I, I definitely agree with her. Let's go. Oh, sorry, you Brittany. <laughs> no pressure. Um, well, actually, this relates back to Luke's comment in the previous breakout. But I think, you know, I think we would see John using any way he could, including papyrogram, to papyrusgram. I don't know. That's uh, fine. It's anyway, um, the platform from the ancient world. So you name it. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> um, I think we would see him re using any way possible to proclaim God's word. And one of the things that Luke said that I thought was really convicting is sometimes we just want to take ourselves out of the equation and not participate. And that for me just makes me think twice because especially with social media, I would just rather not use it at all. And if I really believe that John would use every means possible to get the gospel to people and maybe use that to show what Jesus says that can be encouraging about the topics that are at hand and the issues that are at hand, but not endorsing specific policies or not endorsing specific individuals or specific political parties, but just kind of raising those themes that are pertinent to what people are following in general on social media and saying, this is what Jesus says about X, then I should be doing the same thing. And that, that's really hard for me to think about. I would just rather not participate. So hopefully I've recapped that well for Ruth. <laughs> Ruth, you want, that's awesome. I, I love that. I, I think it's a great way to characterize that and think about it. Ruth, you want to add anything to that? No. Um, the only thing I would add is is being very careful of slander. Um, yeah. I think um, Richard put it into that. Yeah. yeah, right. That's about it. Yeah, but run with that, Ruth. Sorry. What what else you think? Why why do you think that's such an important thing? Why do you want to make sure to highlight that? Because I think that's <laughs> yeah, I highlighted that only because of the apostles and the encouragement to Christians about how we respect and honor um, authority, and so. I think in what for I don't think they would be hypocritical about that. I think they would be strong in their stances, but when it comes to a particular people groups or or a person, or in, you know, the government, I think they will be careful to not just talk about them in, in that light, the way we that the way some of us may be um, tempted to do so, especially in regards to whether it's Trump or Biden. I don't think that would be a problem for them, you know? Agreed. Well said. Well said. This was awesome, guys. Thank you all so much. So I, I want to bring it home with just a few. I mean, so once again, I hope you can think in these terms. And maybe part of this exercise is to just give us a framework for how we could 
um, search out different questions related to politics, you know, try to frame it up in, all right, imagine that this was going on in Babylon with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what would they be doing? Imagine this is what was going on in the Canaanite nations. What would, how would the Israelites have responded? Imagine this was going on, et cetera, et cetera, and try as best we can to use the biblical principles we've looked at the past several weeks to guide the way we make decisions and always be open. And maybe some of our decisions aren't the best and maybe we want to modify them. I want to wrap it up with just a few principles uh, that I think are ones we can say pretty confidently are how we need to conduct ourselves as citizens of heaven in America, especially in this time. Of course, everything we're going to talk about is 2020 because that's the election. Obviously, this is for all times and all situations, right? But here we go. Um, for one, as citizens of heaven, we obey the Lord's commands before exercising American rights. You may be able, just like Paul was able to exercise his rights as a Roman, you may have some rights as an American that, that you, when you look at scripture, you say, hey, this fits in. But our first priority is, hey, let me not forget about the commands the Lord gave. Of course, a lot of this has been in the stuff we've looked at the past few weeks, but just to highlight a few of those, Romans 13, 1, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. And of course, we know how bad the authorities were then. Our authorities may be bad too, but we need to be subject. Um, 1 Peter 2, verses 16 and 17, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. That relates to the slander comments that were just uh, just mentioned in that last little section of our last exercise. Uh, this is a command for how we operate when it comes to politics. First Timothy 2 exhorts us to pray for all people, even to give thanks and to intercede on behalf of all people for kings and all our high positions. And we might say, but he's trash. Well, Nebuchadnezzar was too. But Daniel prayed for him and Daniel prayed that things would be well with him. We need to make sure to do that. And of course, this is just a sampling of the many commands we've looked at. As citizens of heaven, we obey the Lord's command commands before exercising American rights. Secondly, uh, just as a suggestion, one of the things that I read that's been very helpful for me in thinking about this is, okay, a lot of you mentioned this. You look at the two parties, you look at different issues and candidates, you're like, oh, man, these people look kind of terrible and I don't know what to do. And I mean, none of them are really on team Jesus, but I kind of feel compelled Perhaps I feel like I should participate in some way. How do I do this? This person suggested to have sort of a matrix biblical principles and practical effects. And basically the idea was you take any issue and rate it on a, a level of zero to 10 in terms of maybe biblical importance or biblical significance or whatever, things that are really clear. Maybe some aren't as clear, maybe some are. And then on the other side of the matrix, so maybe your, your vertical matrix is the biblical principle, zero to 10. And the practical effects is your horizontal um, uh, direction here where you think about practically how much of a difference can I make on this biblical issue and then you kind of just chart out which things are most important to you and kind of make your decisions about your political participation maybe that's the candidate stances maybe that's about um, just what you think about uh, you know uh, talking about things online whatever um, measure things by biblical principles and practical effects whenever you're thinking about these things. I thought that was pretty helpful, and I think that's a good suggestion. And even something we see, think people like Daniel and Paul and others um, that guided their, uh, their decisions. Okay, so number one, obey the Lord's commands before exercising American rights. Number two, determine your political participation by biblical principles um, in connect connection with practical effects. Thirdly, do not allow political participation to overshadow or distract from gospel proclamation. A lot of what you guys said related to that, especially the comments made about the social media thing at the end. Look, if people read my social media and all they think is that I have XYZ political stance, 
and they don't really know anything much more about the gospel of Jesus Christ, then I'm doing it wrong. If every conversation I have with people is an argument about this candidate or this position or this policy, and I'm not asking them what they think about Jesus, then I'm doing it wrong. Do not allow political participation to overshadow or distract from gospel proclamation. Number four, uh, we need to be patient and tolerant, always pursuing peace with those who disagree with our ideas about worldly politics. And that's especially true among brethren. I'll chart you back all the way to one of our, actually it was a preliminary discussion we had from Romans chapter 14 about the kind of spirit we need to have when people disagree with us about social and, uh, and ethical and political issues. Or, or another way of saying it, like always, obey the greatest command, do the golden rule. Uh, love God with everything you got, love your neighbor as yourself, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Uh, think about others who disagree with you the way you would like those who you disagree with to think about you. Put others first uh, rather than yourself, especially when it comes to political opinions. And then the last thing I'll say before I read you scripture to close us out tonight. Like John said in 1 John 5 and verse 21, guard yourselves from idols. It's so easy for us to turn to idols of political parties, of um political figures of political ideals that have been traced throughout history, even historical uh, romantic notions about how things are, how they should be, or how they could be one day. We have to guard ourselves from idols. We don't trust in these things. We don't rely on these things. We have a higher power that we look to. We have uh, a king who we trust in to provide for us and take care of us and all of these things. I'm gonna read for you uh, Revelation chapter 11. Uh, to wrap things up for us tonight, Revelation chapter 11, verses 15 through 19. And over the next few weeks, if any of you, I hope, I hope you don't, a lot of you already made these comments, but if you're starting to get stressed or you're starting to get worried or particularly anxious or angry or whatever about various things um, as it relates to the political sphere, I hope you'll remember these words from Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. By the way, I'm not saying it's a prophecy about 2020. I'm just saying it applies. Revelation 11, verse 15. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces, and they worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, who are and who were, because you've taken your great power and you have begun to reign through Christ. And the nations were enraged and your wrath came and the time came for the dead to be judged and the time to reward your servants, the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name, the small and the great, and for you to destroy those who destroy the earth. Y'all know this. Uh, the truth is, from the vantage point of a kingdom citizen, little will change no matter who wins the White House or how many reforms are passed or which party controls Congress, or who takes the next Supreme Court seat. Those things will have some impact, but ultimately we know the real story that's going on in the world. Sin is still killing folks. Injustice will still plague the earth, including North America, including the United States. And as much as we hate those things, we know the solution. Christ is still reigning from heaven. Salvation is available for all in him, both now and forever. So we're not going to become overly excited or despondent in response to the political events in the government of the United States of America. 
we who are in Jesus have our hopes anchored in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has reconciled us to God, in Jesus who gives us hope of eternal life with him in our own resurrected bodies. And, and we know when that happens, we're going to be good. And everybody's going to be good because he's going to execute perfect judgment against every sin, evil, and injustice that's ever been committed by any and all who refuse to repent and obey his gospel, whether they're the highest powers of the lands or the lowest people. And since we know the joy and peace that our hope in King Jesus has provided, our singular political platform, for real platform at least, is Christ Jesus and him crucified. The only debates that we're really interested in are those that persuade people to believe in the resurrection and the judgment to come. The policies that we care to investigate and debate and all that are those of the kingdom of God found in the pages of the New Testament. The reforms that we're fighting for are that our hearts and lives would be transformed into the very image of our King Jesus, who's leading all his people back home to be with our Father forever and to bring as many people as we can with us. That's what this thing's about. And by God's grace, that'll guide us through this season and every political season. Richard, if you don't mind praying for us uh, as we wrap it up tonight. Thanks again, everybody. This was so encouraging. Every study, like it's funny because a lot of people, when I told them when we were talking about politics and stuff, people were like, whoa, that's probably pretty bad, huh? Pretty explosive, pretty. And I was like, no, man, everybody's cool. Everybody loves the Lord and everybody loves each other and is trying to help each other grow. And, and that's absolutely been true. Everybody's been awesome in these studies that could have been tense, could have been. And we've had some disagreements. That's been fine. Uh, but this has been beautiful, and I really, really admire everybody's uh, great spirit and the way everybody's handled these classes. It's been really cool and very encouraging for me, very challenging for me. So, so thank you, guys. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us together for another uh, fellowship and study. And we pray, Lord, uh, that you would help let this to be edifying for us all in our ways that we are uh, engaging not only with one another as Christian brothers and sisters, but also as citizens in this world, in this nation, Lord. We pray, Father God, that with the teachings that Brother Ben has shared with us, that we uh, would be confident to, again, to be able to search the scriptures and to know what is the best way in using our own our wisdom and discernment and responding to uh, issues in the world and however they may be um, full of uh, angst or or uh, emotion that we can stay grounded in you, Lord, grounded in your word, be able to participate, most of all, to be able to do so in the way that the gospel shows us, in the way that Jesus has shown us, in the way that the apostles and the disciples have shown us of how to engage uh, others while still being grounded in the word. Um, we just thank you, Lord, that you, we would be uh, reminded that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. We are citizens of the Most High God. We are uh, children of the Most High Lord. And we thank you for adopting us. We thank you for loving us as your own. And we wanna stay grounded in that. And remember who stays on the throne, who is on the throne Amen. and who is king for us, for all that we do and all the ways that we serve. In Jesus name we pray, amen. The aim of The Way BK is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ across Brooklyn and beyond. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.thewaybk.com.